welcome to what I guess is still the third wheel. Minus a wheel. <laughs> and minus traditional epic fantasy. Yeah, it's epic and fantasy, but it's not epic fantasy. So, for this one, uh, I'm still Tyler. And I'm also still Jesse. Okay. What we're doing for this is Jesse has gotten me to listen to the Magnus Archives podcast, which is like, it starts out as just being a series of creepypastas read by a British guy, and then eventually it has a plot. That's about as good of a summary as you can get. Yeah, it's very... Like, the creepypastas are exactly what you would think of for creepypasta, uh, but the plot is much more uh, eldritch horror. Um, Beyond will not listen to it because they don't do podcasts. Um, wow. What a thing. Yeah. For a host of a podcast. I know. It's kind of hypocritical. It's like if an author was illiterate. <laughs> yeah, I tried to listen to this months ago because there were some people in a server I was in saying it was really good and I tried and I just couldn't get into it. And then I was one of those people. Yeah. And then Jesse started texting me like, I need you to listen to this podcast. And eventually I got two or three episodes in and then I suddenly was 40 episodes in. (laughs) Yeah. Your initial reasoning that why you didn't want to listen to it was that it was just too British. Yeah. The guy is extremely British. Like that first The first episode is like 16 minutes long, and the first five minutes of that is him just being, like, British and upset. That's repetitive. Exactly. I don't don't know if that's a British thing. I don't even know any British people. I actually do. Wow. Must be hard. (laughs) So what I figure we're going to do is do like a quick overview of season one, because I haven't, I just finished season one. And so what I'm kind of wanting to do is before we, I, I guess, move on into season two, just sort of make sure that I'm clear on what's going on, where people are at, what all the connections between things are. So Jesse and I both have all the episodes open for season one and... I'm going to... There's also a good page that's spoiler-free. Oh, is there? I'm linking you right now. It's a list of characters by episode. Oh, perfect. That is useful. Okay, does this go back through, like, hey, this person showed up or was first mentioned back here? Yeah, once you got to the later episodes. Okay, then yeah, maybe I'll just go through with this and let Jesse handle the episodes i mean it's not like i have perfect recall no no i just want to make sure that i'm like not missing any huge things because there's some stuff where like gerard key shows up like four or five times but he's at different points in his life and is described completely differently every time yeah generally he's identifiable by his dyed black hair and shitty attitude yeah sounds like all british people So let's jump right into it. So episode one is the anglerfish. And I the fish is mentioned later in the episode where they're doing the ghost hunting. Is it actually the fish itself? Well, the person that is attached to the fish. 
Uh, but yeah, that like fake, can I have a cigarette person, uh, happens later. And also, uh, is it Sarah? Yeah, Sarah Baldwin. Okay. So there's a lady named Sarah Baldwin. She's one of the people that disappears. And then she also shows up later during the ghost hunting episode. Yes. Um, let me look at the other characters. So Elias is clearly weird. Um, just based on where I'm at, Gertrude is the previous archivist. She got shot. Um, oh yeah, you know that by now. Yeah, Martin's a big teddy bear, but he also is dumb. <laughs> Tim is way too nonchalant about everything. And Sasha, something happens to her, and I'm going to need you to clarify that. I think it's in episode 39. I just know that, like, at the end of the season one, the uh, producer of the whole show gets on and reads off the entire cast list for season one, and the person listed at the end is not Sasha. So, like, also, they make it pretty clear, because she starts talking about, like, things that other people did in reference to events that happened with Sasha there. And then Jonathan Simps is like, Sasha, why are you so weird? Are we calling him Jonathan Simps now? No, I just, I slipped up because I made that joke like three weeks ago. Yeah, worth noting for this. So these stories are all pretty creepy and I do extremely bad with horror. So <laughs> I have had... So so make special note of the ones that actually give you the spooks. I'll make note of the ones that gave me the spooks. Yeah, because I think you and I had different ones that gave spooks. So episode two is... This one didn't give me the spooks, but this one is the one that sold me on continuing. So this one, it's like, it's this simple. If I had finished this episode the first time that I tried to listen to the podcast, I would have been sold as well. But because I only, I stopped right before the, like, creepy scratchings at the inside of the coffin. And so it was just like, there's a weird coffin. Whatever. Yeah. For me, it's like, you describe these as creepy pastas, but for me, my point of reference was, like, the Twilight Zone. Oh. I mean, I haven't read that many creepy pastas. This just comes off like one. And there's a few of these episodes that really feel like classic Twilight Zone, where it feels like there's a spook, but there's also a very real character who is interacting with a spook in a very personal way. I will say, towards the end of season one, Joshua Sims gets much better about treating- Jonathan Sims. Jonathan Sims. Whatever. The Joshua's the first name of the guy in episode two. Uh, Jonathan Sims gets much better about, like, treating the people who have given these statements as though they are real people going through bad situations. Yeah. Uh, I'll just give light spoils. Sure. Uh, Jonathan Sims, in a later statement, says that he's doing, he did it in these early episodes intentionally to try and throw off some people as well as to protect his own sanity. Oh, weird. Yeah, because he says in, like, episode 38 or 39 that it's just to, like, try and protect himself from the capital H horror. Pretty much. So, like, he's... It's just as disingenuous as it sounds because he doesn't mean what he's saying. Okay. Yeah, he freaks out at Martin with, like, of course I believe, like, there's too much weird stuff for me to not believe... I'm just trying to 
not Even take in this first season he ends every episode with like they must have been on drugs yeah he's like very much trying to uh not take sanity damage by reading these statements hmm. he also says that most of the statements are garbage and that like the 40 that he's chosen to read in the first season are the ones that he truly believes like there's actually ghosts well, in universe, it's that these are the statements that refuse to be recorded digitally. Oh, that's weird. So we are only hearing, like, the physical tapes. Oh, God. Yeah, I was trying to figure out, because um, it seems like the format of the original statements varies pretty wildly. Because, mm-hmm. um, like, some of them are recorded firsthand, some of them come from letters... Some of them must be written down based on the way that it's written, and some of them must be dictated from the subject. Yeah, everything that has Jonathan Sims narrating, he's reading from a written statement. Yeah, Uh, he's also, he also mentions, I think, in episode either 39 or 40, that, like, when he's reading them, like, something takes over, and that's why he uses weird voices to... Oh, they mentioned that that early? Yeah. Okay, well, yes, that's a thing. Okay. Yeah, he says, like, something comes over him, and then he only comes back when he's done. But he's, like, that's why he gives weird inflections that don't sound like him rolling his eyes. Yeah, no, he reads them as genuine emotional experiences, Mm. because he's experiencing them as he reads them. Mm. I think the biggest spoilers that I have are, like, I typed this, I typed Magnus Archives into YouTube to try and get the, um like, the videos off of there. And there were some animatics that had some pretty aggressive spoilers. There's some good ones. Yeah, I bet. Which one did you see? I didn't watch it, but it's called The Archivist Gets Laser Vision. (laughs) And then also... Who knows, that might be tongue-in-cheek. Maybe. And then, yeah, every time I've opened the wiki to look at an episode, it has the basic information, and then related entity, the blank... And, like, that's all I know. (laughs) I assume it's going to get very bad, because the seasons start to sound very bad. Yeah. Uh, This first season is the one that's heaviest on individual statements. Uh, As the seasons go on, the continuous plot becomes more and more the focus. Got it. Um, So, also in episode two, we have Breakin' and Hope, the pair of delivery men with Cockney accents. Yeah. That we see like five times just in the first season yeah they keep delivering bad stuff yeah whenever there's a spooky object they're the ones bringing it also it's never revealed what's in the coffin but it's very upsetting it'll come back oh great so episode three across the street yes this is this one creeped me out uh this one really sold me too there's the guy who is writing down, like, what's the exact phrase? Keep it's watching. Keep watching. Yeah. And then eating it. Yeah, he's, like, writing it down in notebooks and then eating the pages. This guy has a table that shows up later. It gets delivered by Breakin' and Hope. And Jonathan Sims is like, we should probably burn the entire institute because this table is here. Yeah. But yeah. This episode gave me true spooks, and I liked the uh, sort of the character of this woman who feels compelled to sort of spy on this weird guy she knows. Yeah. And then seeing him get replaced with a weird snake thing. Yeah, like a weird snake that takes over his identity and then 
knows that she's watching and later just walks up to her. her. Yeah, walks up to her and is like, maybe I'll have to pay you a visit. It's like, oh, great. Worth noting, when someone gets taken over, there seems to be people that aren't affected. Huh. Mysterious. I won't spoil why that is. No, but that's good to note. I mean, we're talking about, I'm sure I'll get to it, but that's the exact kind of thing I want you to tell me is like, hey, note that this isn't just a one-off creepy thing. This is plot. Yeah. So when that happens, when someone gets replaced, there are blind spots, people that remember the original person. Okay. And we'll be seeing that later. I'm sure. Uh, So episode four is... Okay, this is the one with the, like, weird wooden inserts. This is also where Jürgen Leitner and uh, Gerard Key, right? Yeah, so there's a bunch of name drops in this episode that are important going forward. Yeah. So we have Jürgen Leitner. That one's a pretty easy catch because Jonathan Sims fucking freaks out when he hears the name. Yeah, also, I'm going to go ahead and interject and say for the record that... It has gotten to the point where every time his name comes up, I'll, like, shake my fist at the sky and go, Lightner! Lightner! Exactly. Okay, I'm double-checking something. So, in this episode, the narrator mentions a childhood friend, Michael Crew, who turns up later, but is not mentioned again within this first season, so I won't talk about him. Okay. He was struck by lightning. Yeah. In mind. And then Mary Key was supposedly murdered by her son, Gerard, and was found with her skin hanging in strips with Sumeric written all over it. Great. And Gerard, like, shows up, says that his mom doesn't know what's best, and burns the book. Yep. They don't get along. No. We're gonna see more of them. Yeah, I don't know if she's dead or what. Uh, And Mary Key is the connection to the uh, dude from the German letter right which german letter we'll get to it it's in the 30s i think well mary key isn't that old well so we'll see yeah we'll see episode five this is the one with the bag full of teeth oh yeah this is one that doesn't actually fit into the canon as it stands yeah this one was like spooky in a way where i was just like what what yeah, and FAQ has defined this episode as using a form of the overworld canon that no longer applies. Interesting. Well, then I guess we'll just move on, because this... It's, def- it's definitely an interesting episode. There's, like, some creepy imagery with, like, dolls' heads and bags of teeth. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. Episode 6, Squirm. Okay, this one has many connections to canon. Yeah, so this dude, he, like, goes to a club to pick up a lady... And then the lady tells him on the way home that she got sort of mugged by this weird lady who had lots of worms. And then when they get back to his place, she explodes into worms, and he burns the place down. Yeah, because it's gross. Yeah. So this is the first mention of Jane Prentice, who's sort of the big bad of this season. Yeah. So in this statement, just like how Jonathan Sims had immediate credulity about... Jürgen Leitner, he has the same immediate credulity about Jane Prentice because she had a very public incident 
that involved the death of, like, seven hospital workers. Yeah. That was, like, widely publicized and known. Also, the main guy, Timothy Hodge, comes back later. He's become a hive for these worm things, and he dies. Yep. Episode 7, The Piper. This one was not spooky, but was very cool. Yeah, it had a poetry to it. Yeah. I have met the war. You can hear a piper when you're going to die because of war. It's weird stuff. And then, like, one of the one of the characters in here starts, like, channeling this being. Yeah, and then dies when peace begins. Yeah, it's so weird. There's a very minor mention of someone named Joseph Rayner, who will be kind of sort of relevant later, though it's a bit more complicated than that. Okay. I'll take your word for it. Just think about people with names that sound like Rainer. Okay. Episode 8 is the first time we hear about Hilltop Road, and oh boy. Yeah, this seems like a bad place. So this guy goes to do some building, and then it's very bad. It's a bad place to be. He's like, there's ghosts, and also I feel like I'm on fire. This one was very spooky. I need to read the description to see exactly what happens. So... A nurse that he sees summons a Catholic priest to do an exorcism, and that priest gives a statement later. A two-part statement. Yeah. So the builder goes, he, like, takes a crowbar, hits the tree in the yard, it starts bleeding, he uses his truck to pull the tree down, there's a box inside with an apple, and as soon as he takes the apple out, it starts to desiccate, and then he, like, pulls it open, and it's full of spiders, like, thousands of spiders, and then uh, it was just very upsetting. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on with Hilltop Road that hasn't been explained yet. Okay. Suffice it to say, some shit went down, and now even the world is confused about what the place should be. Great. And we got a mention of Agnes Montague, who is relevant to the shit that went down in Hilltop Road. Yes. I remember them mentioning that now. So episode nine. Oh, this one was definitely creepy. Yeah, I, I really like this episode. Yeah. So it's the girl noticing that her dad is, like, doing weird stuff, and then eventually... Okay, so, like, her mom disappears, and the water in their tap is weird, which is the same thing that happens on the night that her dad gets caught, but, like, there's some sort of presence trying to break into the house, and he's... So note that her mother belonged to a cult called the People's Church of the Divine Host that is led by someone named Rainer. Interesting. So, essentially, I'll just, like, in this episode, Julia Montauk's father is hunting down members of the People's Church of the Divine Host. Yeah. And is killing them, which makes whatever they're serving real mad. Yeah, he's, like, got jars full of hearts, and as he's chanting to destroy something, like, the hearts are beating in time. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it was... Uh, I should also note that, like, pretty much every time I listen to these episodes, it's then me coming back to a dark, empty house that I'm going to be alone in for, like, 12 hours, so... (laughs) I enjoy that you get legitimate spooks. Well, I'm easily spooked. Episode 10, Vampire Killer. I don't know what connection this could have, but this take on vampires is really cool. 
Yeah, it's very original. Yeah. And Trevor Herbert's going to be important later. I'll keep that in mind. Wait, important later? He's dead, right? Doesn't Mm. he, like, die of lung cancer on the spot? That's a big hmm. That's a big hmm. Episode 11, Dreamer. Oh, this is the guy, he, like, sees people's deaths in his dream. Mm -hmm. And he comes to tell uh, Gertrude that she's about to die. Yeah. He he also maybe used to go out with the guy from episode two, or episode three. Okay. Not that that's a huge deal, but there's just a lot of connections. It's worth noting. That one's weird. (laughs) Uh, Episode 12, first date. this one I really wanted you to listen to at work because it takes place in a hospital. I did listen to it at work, and it was very upsetting. <laughs> Do you ever feel like you're about to turn around and everyone is missing and all of the sodas in the soda machine start to boil? Uh, it is very possible that people could be missing without noticing. Luckily, I don't work in the emergency room, so we're pretty safe where I'm at. Also, funnily enough, regarding your job... This episode, the cameras in the hospital play a role. Yeah. Uh, There's, like, one frame of an eye. Uh, Yeah, so, like, these people come in who I don't even remember if their names are important. Well, one of them is Jared Key. Oh, yeah. And the other one is named Diego Molina. He's another cultist, but of a different cult. Wow. They're both really badly burned, and then Gerard Key finishes him off and tells the statement giver to run, essentially. Yeah. Uh, This one's very creepy and very weird, and I don't even know what to say about it. I liked it. I I really like it. Gerard Key keeps showing up. Uh, Episode 13, Alone. Oh, God. This one was creepy the only important thing to note here is the family name lucas okay um so she married she's about to marry a lucas but then he dies hmm. and then his entire family ostracizes her and they all seem to not really enjoy each other's company yeah is the lucas family the ones mentioned uh during the boat episode they are Got it. I'm understanding. And in that episode, I think they're also mentioned that they are a benefactor of the Institute. Yes. Yeah. This one, I, like, didn't follow as it was happening. But, yeah, it's mostly just weird, weird grave stuff is happening. Uh, So, episode 14, Piecemeal. Oh, God. Yeah, this one's, this one was less spooky, more cool. Dudes go to pieces. Yeah. Um, So this mobster is like, hey, this other guy got me sent to prison. I want him dead. And he goes to a witch. (laughs) And the witch... As you do. Well, his friend takes him to the witch, but yes. Uh, And the witch is like doing jigsaw puzzles. And she's like, give me something of his that that wasn't a gift. You have to have stolen it from him. (laughs) There's some cool stuff in this show. It's just like, it just feels, like, evocative. It feels very evil. Yeah, Yeah, so, like, when he gets bored, because the guy isn't dying, 
and he eventually <laughs> confronts him, and the guy's missing a bunch of parts of his body. And he... So he kills the guy that sent him to prison, and then he starts to fall apart. And he goes back to the witch eventually, as he's, like, losing body parts on the daily. She's like, sorry, dude. The spell I cast required, like, it has to tear one human body apart, and it didn't get to finish on the other guy, so it's you. And now a piece of him is in the artifact storage. Great. The next one is the only one that I couldn't really listen to because it truly spooked me. This is the one where afterwards I texted you like, hey, I've got a creepypasta for you if you liked that one. And you were like, was, no. I'd rather not. Yeah. Um, so this girl and her sister go into a cave. They go cave diving. And like, they both get lost slash stuck. And then there's a recording of her saying, take her, not me. And then she like wakes up outside and her sisters never comes out. It's very creepy. I had one. I think this might've been the first one that I had to listen to twice to like understand what was happening. I haven't even listened to it once. Oh, wow. I mean, I've listened to some of it. Mm -hmm. It's just, I didn't finish it the first time and I didn't listen to it on my re-listen. Got it. I'm not down for it. Uh, episode 16, Arachnophobia. Boy, don't like this one. I'm, in real life, like, deathly afraid of spiders. Like, borderline weeping on the floor whenever I am near one. Wow. Yeah. Well, good thing spiders are a thing in this series. Great. So, yeah. Uh, nothing super important in this one, although worth noting that this is the apartment building where Jane Prentice is, is hiding out. We'll that, find out later. That's really good to know. So this guy is having a bunch of experiences with spiders eating maggots in his apartment. Well, hey, good for the spiders. Doesn't that make the spiders weird? I yes, think he mentions they're both weird. Yeah, I think he mentions that the spiders are like super crazy. Yeah. So but they're not the same type of weird. Huh. Well, I'm sure I'll find out what's up with that. Uh, <coughs> episode 17 is The Bone Turner's Tale. I like this one. It's very like, there's a monster on the loose. And he's people. And he's people. So, yeah, this... He's literally multiple people yeah, squished together. Yeah, this, like, illiterate bully... Goes to the library, takes a book that shouldn't be there, who's a Jurgen Leitner book, and uh, he goes home and reads it, and like people start losing bones. And he starts gaining them. Yeah. It's like, you've lost your bone having privileges. Uh, so yeah, he eventually, the librarian who's giving the statement um, gets the book back, and then the bully goes to the library in the middle of the night to get the book and he has extra limbs which is subpar for my sanity we're gonna see those extra limbs later oh great uh yeah and the guy that gave the statement like ends up dead with no bones or something <laughs> all those bones were turned what a strange tale 
Uh, so episode 18, The Man Upstairs. Oh, I remember this one. This is the guy that nailed a bunch of meat all across his apartment. And funnily enough, this one could be entirely mundane except for the meat-growing eyes. Yeah. I think I texted you about this one. Yeah. About you being particularly grossed out. Yeah, the text that I sent to you was listening to episode 18 like, quote, Then it opened its eyes. I'm good. Then it opened all its eyes. And I just started crying. <laughs> like, it's... I, I'm a head out. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's like multiple layers of meat nailed on the entire inside of the apartment and then it turns into a person and grows enough eyes that it can be described as all its eyes and i was like i'm i'm out thanks good thing that's the end of the episode yeah uh this was another one that i listened to on the way home which is bad episode 19 confession Okay, this is part one of the priest. Yeah, this is the uh, two-parter. Yeah, so like... There's not a ton of connective tissue in this one besides the Hilltop Road stuff. Yeah. But there is... I think episode 20 has a really cool moment with like the demonic... Uh, the demonic like church. church ceremony. Yeah, like the congregation. Where he, then, where he then wakes up having eaten some people. Yeah, he's like... These wafers don't taste like the blood and body of Christ. They just taste like a blood and body of some guy. They taste like somebody's face. Mysterious. Yeah, and then this is not the... This is not the one where... Because, like, at this point, I'm scrolling back through our texts, and it's pretty easy to track exactly what episode I was on at any given time. Yeah, I don't know. It's really cool. Uh, episode 21... Free fall. This one's also fun. Dude gets eaten by the sky. Yeah. It, uh, I've been skydiving before, and I didn't get eaten by the sky. Well, you didn't go skydiving with one Simon Fairchild. That's true. I didn't. He likes jumping off of things and spooking people. Great. We'll see that later. He sounds like an unfun person to hang out with. Yeah, so this dude just jumps and gets eaten by the sky for a few hours. And then he gets eaten by the sky with his mom right next to him. Tough stuff. Forever hours. Yeah, tough stuff for my guy, that dude's mom. <laughs> uh, episode 22, Colony. Hey, this so, is where the plot happens. Yeah, so you texted me after this one. I was like, wait, there's like current plot happening right now? What? Yeah, because like, I didn't know that it wasn't just going to be... A bunch of mildly connected creepypastas. Like, I didn't realize that it was modern-day plot, or, like, um, contemporaneous plot occurring. With, like, things happening on quote-unquote camera. Yeah. Yeah, so Martin goes to do some follow-up investigating on an earlier case. Yeah. He's been out sick for three weeks. Yeah, so he goes to this place, and there's a lady there named Jane Prentice. He escapes because she's full of worms, and then he's basically locked in his house for multiple days, and he loses his phone in the house. So he's, like, completely stowed away. But during this whole time, Jonathan Sims has been getting texts from Martin saying that he's out sick. And so, like, 
it's very upsetting. Because <laughs> uh, at the end of the episode, he, Jonathan Sims gets a text from Martin's phone saying, keep him, we've had our fun, he should be there to see the archivist's crimson fate. It's like, mm. oh boy, <laughs> that's not good. So episode three, Schwarzwald, is the um, German one that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one is some creepy stuff. There's just this weird mausoleum in the middle of the forest. That people like to spook themselves with. Yeah, except sometimes people go in and either don't come out or come out very upset. Ah, so I'm reading the wiki and I see where you're getting the stuff about Mary Key. Yeah. So Wilhelm von Klosen is an ancestor of Mary Key. Okay. Okay, I get why that's important. Yeah. Uh, Later we hear that Mary Key has some delusions of grandeur regarding her family line. So I didn't realize that that's where that came from. I remember that specifically because I think I was listening to this on the way home and then I looked it up as soon as I was out of the car. I don't know how much is connected to the rest, but it was very weird. So episode 24, Strange Music. This one was very bad to listen to. (laughs) This is the one where I texted you the I'm a head out image. Uh, Because guess what? I'm not like as scared by dolls as I am by spiders, but I sure don't like dolls. And this one has some creepy like steam pipe organ that is related to the dolls and the dolls like create more dolls of people that they're going to kill and tear off their mouths and then people die because of the connection to the steam organ and then the doll is a doll of the guy that played the steam organ when he was alive and it's just it's very bad there's a lot of creepy dolls and creepy circus music yeah i don't like hearing it yeah, so in this episode, we hear about the circus of the other, Cirque Drugoy. Yeah. Oh, uh, wait, can you read that? Oh, I guess you could. Yeah. And then we also see Breakin and Hope carrying off the organ, which is now in artifact storage. Yeah. Uh, this was one of the first times that I picked up on Jonathan Sims being a believer, because he talks about, like, you know, there's nothing verifiable about this. I wouldn't believe any of it, except that this pipe organ exists downstairs. And it's like, oh boy, I don't like this. Uh, this one was absolutely big spooks. Episode 25, Growing Dark. Yeah, so the connective tissue in this one is that this is the same cult that the serial killer's wife was a part of. Oh, I remember. This one I listened to at home during the day, so it maybe wasn't as spooky as it could have been. Um, but yeah, he, uh, this dude goes to a church, and then there's like weird stuff on the outside, and when he goes in, he becomes blind for a while, and he's like basically in a different place. Anyway. 26, a distortion. This one is Sasha with, uh, what's his name, Michael? Yeah. Yeah. Michael the, Michael the twisty guy. Yeah, he's strange and twisty. Wait, is he twisty like Bone Turner twisty? No, he's a different kind of twisty. Okay. Basically, Sasha gets led to the guy who was at the club to pick up a chick, and she kills him with a fire extinguisher, right? Yes. 
And that's how we know that the worms are vulnerable to fire extinguishers somehow. A strange weakness, but a useful one. Um, so episode 27, a sturdy lock. I really like this one because it gives me like Twilight Zone vibes of like character-based horror. This but it's not super important. No, this one seems very um, uh, terror at thirty thousand feet. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, I'm not sure what like connection it could have. Also, there's like an interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I won't get into it. But I did like that at the end. Jonathan Sims is like. It's tough to not feel bad for this old dude who is clearly crazy and not experiencing spooky stuff. Yeah. Uh, so episode 28, Skin Tight. This is the one where that lady who got got by the anglerfish in episode one shows up. Mm-hmm. And she's full of sawdust. Yeah. Also, there's like an invisible person slapping her around. So we meet Melanie in this episode, and she's great. She's going to be back. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Because I don't know what sort of connection she could have to anything. Well, she has a connection now, is the thing. Got it. And she's going to have a bad time. (laughs) Great. Like a really bad time. (laughs) Like an exceptionally bad time. (laughs) Great. So... I sent you the wrong reaction image about episode 28, but the sentences uttered, Silk will not stitch the butcher's meat, which is big upsetty spaghetti. <laughs> it's a good lie. Yeah. So episode 29, Cheating Death. This is the guy who... He cheats death. There, So like this just establishes that there are some people that go around challenging people to games to not die. And we'll see them come up a couple times later, but it's nothing super important. Okay. And yeah, I think the only other important thing that he notes here is that, like, even when he was acting as death for, like, 200 years, he wasn't actually death. Like, there's just a loose organization of people with somebody at the top that, like, gives them eternal life and, like, teleports them around to take other people's lives. It's spooky. It's big spooky. So episode 30, Killing Floor. This one I had to listen to, like, twice because I was trying to do it at work when there was stuff happening. Because this was the start of me being like, I gotta listen. I gotta finish this. I really like this one just for, like, the feel of it. Like, the character of the narrator feels really distinct, which I like. Yeah. Uh, and he ends up killing his co-worker named Thomas Hahn, who we're going to hear more about later. Also, in the revised continuity of that Trash Man episode, he was the one uh, doing all the crazy stuff with people's teeth. The um, the dude giving the statement or the colleague that he killed? Uh, no, the person responsible for the bags of teeth. That went unmentioned. Right, but I'm saying which one was that guy? So I'm saying in episode 30, yeah. the narrator kills a co-worker named Thomas Hahn. Right. And Tom Hahn is the person who left all the bags of spooky trash around. Okay, that's what I was trying to clarify. Is that... But you're saying that that doesn't actually matter? Yeah. 
uh, as I said, that information comes from a, uh, like, word of God. Okay. Not from, like, the actual show. Got it. Well, cool. Good to know that I don't have to care. Uh, episode 31, First Hunt. Werewolves exist. <laughs> Is this the one in America? Yeah. 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 He uh, goes to America to do some hunting and gets chased by a werewolf all night because he's just prey for the werewolf. Uh, and then eventually he unloads two full rifles into its chest and doesn't kill it, which is tough stuff. We're going to see later that for some reason, werewolves like America. Weird. That's a thing in this show. I like all the weird little touches like that. They'll make sense. Got it. Episode 32 is the Jane Prentice one. She seems to be having a bad time. She is turning into worms. Yeah, I don't even know what to say about it, except that it's like just some weird stream of consciousness crap. Yeah, it's sort of hard to follow. It's like a very rambly poem. Yeah, uh, there's lots of stuff about the worms singing to her. I do not know why the hive chose me, but it did, and I think that it always had. The song is loud and beautiful, and I am so very afraid. There's a wasp's nest in my attic. Perhaps it can soothe my itching soul. Yeah. Yeah, it's very bad. So episode 32, Boatswain's Call. Uh, Technically, that word is pronounced bosun. Whoops. Well. Although that might be a British pronunciation. Maybe. There's a lot of British pronunciations in here. Um, so I don't even know what happened in this episode. I mean, I listened to it, but, like, I don't get what happened. So, you know how in the Lucas family, everyone is very indifferent to each other and fucking hates each other? Yeah. And on Peter Lucas's boat, no one's allowed to talk to each other until someone has been sacrificed. I... Ugh. I don't... Okay... And the person who was sacrificed is the one who tried to talk to people. Mm -hmm. So should I just be keeping track that the Lup Lucases are bad people? Yes, and a particular brand of bad people. Okay. I'll keep that in the back of my mind. They're really, uh, really burying the lead on these Lucases being tough stuff. Episode 34 was the worst. <laughs> Seven John and Jane Doe's take an anatomy class and they're like their anatomy is shifting each class yeah as like they learn more about how stuff should be placed and how long certain bones should be but like my, my favorite moment is when they ask how the lungs work and he explains it and then suddenly he hears them all breathing and realizes that he hadn't heard them breathing before yeah um i don't know i'm really partial to the like how does a heart beat and they're all holding hearts and making them beat in different ways until he tells one of them that it's correct. <laughs> uh, and then... Yeah, and then they give him an apple with teeth in it. Yeah. Yeah, he goes to their house and, like, they are doing a dissection on a person. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's unpleasant. And yeah, all of the people are, like, different names of John Doe. In different countries, yeah. It's a nice touch. 
I mean, I assume this is aliens, but I know that the whole thing is ghosts, so like... I'll just say that these guys are similar to the snake people that replace people. Interesting. They're of the same sort of deal. Understood. Episode 35, I am going to have that wiki open because I didn't... I already, spoiler, I already read the wiki page for this one right after listening, because I listened to it, didn't understand it, listened to it a second time, still didn't get it, and then had to read the wiki page to, like, get exactly the order of events. So, this builder is in a club, a teenage Gerard Key shows up, breaks a wall, they go down a hallway into a room with 13 exits, and then... Gerard Key dashes down an exit. One of the builders also goes down. And then Gerard runs away with a, what is obviously a Leitner book, in his hands. And the builder is dead in the hallway. Yep. Worth noting is that this building was built by someone named Robert Smirk, who's been mentioned a few times. Mm. And also, there was some other connection, but I don't remember what. Mostly the connection is there's a Leitner book in there, Jared Key's around, and this building is built by Robert Smirk. Got it. Oh, also, at the end of this episode, Breakin and Hope show up and deliver the spooky table. Yes. That might be what you're thinking of. Maybe. Yeah, this is the table from episode three, I think. Uh, yeah. So episode 36, Taken Ill. Oh, God. Yeah, this one was also subpar. <laughs> um because spoilers i worked in a nursing home for like a year so this was not great yeah a bunch of old people die yeah uh well no more about like the workers than the old people <laughs> okay just throwing that one out there sure hope future bosses don't listen to that so worth noting when the old folks home burns down at the end mm-hmm. uh there's a couple people there who identify themselves as hunters interesting and they're the ones that burned it down is that something to keep in mind for the future or something i should already get both cool i don't get it more something to keep in mind for the future okay yeah so this place is spooky the people are covered in yellow there's like one of them's a king in yellow that's different but these uh yeah these people are covered in some sort of yellow film and maybe the dude who runs the crematorium that they work at uh already knows about this because he's very much on the train of like no as soon as we see the body we burn it if it has this going on and then the guy goes back and everybody's being eaten alive by flies or something. And he leaves, and some people show up to burn the building. Good on them. Okay, I had to check something before I went on to the next episode. Okay. The next episode is actually very plot-relevant, Okay. But not immediately apparent why. Okay. Yeah, I don't even... So in this episode, some guy finds a very fire-filled ritual circle Mm -hmm. with pictures of gertrude robinson around Mm. that seemed to burn down right before she died but she died from the spookiest thing of all a gun (laughs) yeah 
So how could those possibly be connected? Maybe the gun is spooky. I'm sure I'll find out. Yeah, and also, like, things in his life from that point forward keep burning. Yes, which including his son. Yeah, tough stuff for my guy. Well, no, it says his son is fine. He burned himself to death. Ah. 38, lost and found. Mikhail Salesa turns up again. I'm sorry, what? Mikhail Salesa, the artifacts dealer, turns up again. I see. Um, oh, is this the guy who... Had the Leitner book in, like, episode... No. Let me see if I remember exactly when he turned up. He's the artifact dealer that Paul Nariga's partner was going to meet with. Got it. The guy that went to pieces. Yeah. So he sells a box that makes things not exist anymore. Got it. Yeah, the... Yeah, this, like, weird Chinese urn... It eats things, and then they're gone from everybody's memory except for the one dude who had them originally. Hmm. It's very upsetting. The vase is actually a lot like... This is gonna sound dumb. There's one like it in Sekiro. <laughs> sort of visually, not in mechanics. But yeah, it just eats things, and then those things never existed. It eats this dude's uh, husband. The next episode episode 39 where a plot happens one of the comments on the wiki says ah the episode where my eardrums shattered uh i don't because i will say that this first season of the show has some very rough audio leveling yeah and in these last three episodes there's a lot of whispering muttering followed by screaming yeah uh, the real problem that i was experiencing is that in the car trying to get the audio level right there's like an extremely fine line between it's loud enough that I can hear it and it's quiet enough that it doesn't like max out my speakers in a way where the audio just falls apart. I mean, that's the problem. Yeah. Is that like it's low muttering followed by immediate like eardrum breaking screaming. Yeah. It's like, what are they saying? I can't quite hear. Let's turn it up. Oh my God. Yeah. Luckily, they get better at this. Good. I don't even know, like, I'm sure this was supposed to be kind of confused in the sense that a bunch of stuff is going on. Yeah, Basically, the purpose of episode 40 is sort of to debrief about what happened in 39. Yeah, um, basically what I, and so I guess 40 is going to be kind of the same thing. Um, basically what I know about this attack is nobody got eaten by the worms. Sasha is now some- Some of, the, some of them got like a little, like Jonathan and- tim both got pretty bitten up but not eaten correct yeah i mean so a lot of a lot of fan art later will show jonathan with like pock marks and stuff and that's because of this yeah i mean not like um jane prentice got eaten uh -huh. they're yeah they're not like living hives for the worms um nope. so nobody got eaten sasha is now somebody else uh elias seems nonchalant tim is weird uh, they're nonchalant in different ways. Tim is like, yeah, I don't know, that was, that sure was spooky. And Elias is like, if you need counseling, let me know. Yeah, he's like, don't think about it. There's also apparently some tunnels underneath the Institute that shouldn't be there. Where they find Gertrude Robinson's body. Yeah, she got got by the most evil entity, a gun. Yep. Which if the, I don't know. I think it's pretty clear that the number 13 has something to do with it. 
Uh, That's up for debate. Okay. Which one of the 13 is the gun? Uh, there's a couple that could be. Oh, I thought one of them would just be called the gun. I mean, that could either be the slaughter, or the hunt, or the end. Great. Now I'm scared again. Yeah, so... So yeah, like, there isn't that much that you could miss in the first season. Mm -hmm. Like, so you didn't really need to debrief, like, so hard. But, I mean, like... You'll always be able to follow the moment-to-moment stuff, mm-hmm. but it's just like if you're the type to like have a corkboard conspiracy like map, mm-hmm. then this podcast can also be really good for you. Yeah, sadly, I do not have that up on my wall, but I am super into the like interconnected world. It's going to become even more interconnected. You don't even know. Well, I might need to start taking notes. Because as I mentioned, I'm much more visual than audio. So some of this is like going over my head. It also might just be best to accept spoilers happening. And like keep a tab of the current episode open at all times. And just try not to scroll down to the continuity parts. Yeah, the episode pages shouldn't be too bad. Okay. Also, this has gone way beyond minisode length. Yeah. Uh, this might need to be two minisodes. So, what are your feelings coming out of the first season? <sighs> um, the spooky ones are really good. Some of them are less spooky. Some of them seem like they don't matter. But I think I would prefer that as opposed to, like... What I wish that it was lined up on is, like, the ones that don't matter should be the spookiest so that they are always interesting. Because there's kind of three vectors that's happening is, like, importance to the plot, interesting, weird stuff, and spooky. And I wish that it was, like, always hitting two of them, but sometimes it only hits one, and sometimes it actually hits zero. Yeah, that's actually a good way to think of it. I say that as the series goes on... I feel like, unfortunately, like, there's a bit where the focus is so much on important stuff happening that I feel like some of the spookiness and, like, and the uh, weird, evocative stuff happening gets a little left by the wayside. Mm. But eventually, the stuff happening becomes so good, it doesn't even matter. Like, it will make you scratch your chin and say, fascinating. <laughs> Well, cool. Yeah, I'm excited. And because I finished season one, uh, what's today? Tuesday? So I finished it like late last night and I've been sitting there like chomping at the bit the entire time since then, not wanting to continue without making sure that I was clear on what happened, but also like absolutely wanting to continue. Well, now you're allowed. Now I'm allowed. Also, also the, the Q&As are worth listening to. Oh, great. Well, I mean, it's just sort of interesting to hear Jonathan Sims. It's also confusing that Jonathan Sims is the name of the narrator and the name of the character he plays. Yeah, I can only imagine. Um, I saw a video of somebody that I thought was him, and I was like, oh my god, that's exactly who I figured it would be. But I think it was a different character. I think it was the voice actor for Elias. But yeah, I'm really interested in continuing. And I, like you said, this has gone beyond a single minisode, but I uh, 
will be excited to do this again in what will probably end up being like one week. Yeah. So this is going to be some supplemental material because we're going to have some gaps. Uh, we already had a gap. Yeah. Because I, I dropped the ball on the editing. And then there's also going to be more gaps because we're changing over series. Yeah. And then there's going to be more gaps because I just got a job. Jesse got a job. Beyond and I are about to move, maybe. Like, so this is just some supplemental material. Yeah. I think we're still going to do like a regular mini-sode where we have Beyond sit down and we just kind of talk about nothing for like 20, 25 minutes. But this is definitely something that I'm just going to throw in the feed when we don't have something to do for a week. Oh yeah, this audio is also going to be Tyler's editing practice ground. Yeah, because we... So the way that we've been doing it, I know we've talked about this, uh, but the way that we've been doing it so far is like, because I've read all of the Wheel of Time, I generally know what notes are important to take and which ones can be left uh, and not talked about. But I can't do that for whatever series we're doing. Stormlight is what it's called. So we're going to flip it. I'm going to do the editing and Jesse's going to do the notes. Wow. Yeah. Which also means, I don't know, what's Beyond's job again? I joke, they provide the color commentary. Although, I do wonder if we should keep up the same idea and, like, just have me read as much as I feel like. That could be good. We'll think about it. I know that I am already planning to read uh, the Alloy of Law series, because Jesse keeps telling me it doesn't matter, and I keep saying, yeah, but what if it does, though? It doesn't really matter, and it's not even very good. I'm the type of person where it's like... I can't play The Witcher 3 because I would have to play Witcher 1 and 2 and also read every book. That might be an issue. Yeah. Like, I can't stand the thought that I might not pick up on a reference because I didn't consume enough side material. Hmm, I think that might have something to do with the hour we just spent talking about making sure you haven't missed anything. Yeah, probably. Uh, on that note, I'm going to go have some neuroses about series I'm consuming. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to anyone who actually listened to this. Yeah, you are the true hero. I'm Tyler. And I'm Jesse. And we'll see you next time. Hopefully you don't get eaten by the sky. Oh no, or worms. Worms.